1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello,
2: hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a Jersey Shore chef, talking about her rise from an East Coast eight seed to a force to be reckoned with on the finale of this season's Tournament of Champions. But before we get to our guests, I do have some exciting news to share. Food Network Obsessed has been nominated for a Webby Award. Our team is incredibly excited, but we do need your help to win. So please click into the episode description and you will see a link to vote. All right, back to our guest. She is the fierce chef affectionately known as the angry Italian. It's Britt Racino. Brit, welcome to the podcast and congratulations on reaching the finale of TOC.
3: It's so exciting. It's so, so exciting.
2: <laughs> it is so exciting. I cannot wait to watch. It's just in two days. We're going to talk all about that later. But first things first. The angry Italian. Where did the nickname come from?
3: (laughs) So, you know, in the kitchen, I tend to be a little intense. And my sous chef used to refer to me as the angry Italian. He'd be like, hey, anyone know where the angry Italian is? (laughs) And everyone would be like, who's that? And he'd look at them and just be like, who's Italian and who's angry? Put them together where is she? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it just stuck, huh?
3: Yeah, I guess it took him like almost a year to tell me that he had a nickname for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, so it was his
3: own nickname behind your back for a little oh, it was while. <laughs> totally behind my back. And when he told me, I just started like, Laughing so hard. And he was so (laughs) nervous to tell me it was so cute. He was like, Yeah, you're the you're the angry Italian. Oh
2: my gosh. I love that. I love it because I feel like you're not angry when we see you on TV. You're so full of joy and so excited, you know, to be in whichever competition we're we're watching you at the time. So it's 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 nice to hear uh the behind the scenes, I guess, a little (laughs) bit too. Well, speaking of which, you are no stranger to competition or food network. You recently won Guys Grocery Games, you are a beat Bobby Flay and Chopped champion. When did this journey into cooking competitions begin?
3: I did a lot of cooking competitions when I was in high school. Oh, really? Um, I, I'm I've been competitive my whole <laughs> life. I played sports and everything, so it's kind of just in my blood. It's like what gets me going and what gets me pumping. And then you know, as you grow up and become an adult, less and less of those things are around. And it was like, all right, I guess let's do the Food Network thing if I can see how it all works out because I miss that adrenaline rush. And the first day stepping into the kitchen on Chopped and I was just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> my heart is going to explode out of my chest. I'm actually <laughs> here. I'm so excited. This is so surreal. So, yeah, that started in like 2017. And it's just been a crazy roller coaster since. What What do you like about that atmosphere and that adrenaline rush? And like you said, the, the t- competition that that you've grown up with your whole life? It's, it's that just that rush. Like it's not like anything I've ever felt in my life. And at the end of the day, you're like making something beautiful and elegant and delicious and sexy out of nothing in (laughs) literally 30 minutes. Like that's just impressive.
2: No, it's so impressive. I'm I'm constantly amazed by all of the chefs that that we get to watch on Food Network. And you said something in an interview once that I wanted to bring up. You said there comes a point in your career when you decide I need to do some things for me. So was diving into these opportunities with
3: Food Network kind of part of that? Yeah, it definitely was. It makes myself more available for whenever I have the opportunity to do these things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's my happiness. Like I love giving people a little piece of me. It's really fulfilling. And to see all the support of like people just supporting me is what's giving me all of that motivation to be able to do what I have to do for me to feel fulfilled in life. Mm -hmm. What, What does fulfill you? Making people's bellies completely happy. <laughs> it's that first bite where, you know, you're hunched over, about to take a bite of, you know, my pasta or a burger or some pizza. And like you take that bite and you're like, oh man. And you sit back and you're like, damn, what am I eating right now? <laughs> like that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want to do. It's the ratatouille moment. I have a tattooed on my hand. It's bringing people back to a familiar place with like something so unfamiliar and doing that is just life goals.
2: Wait, I want to know more about this tattoo. So is it actually a ratatouille or is it like a quote from the show, from the movie or what? what's, what's the
3: tattoo? So I have Anton Ego tattooed on my hand of like when he first took a bite of the ratatouille mm-hmm. and he like, sat back and he went right back to his mom's kitchen, sitting at her table and this like rustic stew gets put in front of him. But when he is eating at the restaurant, it's this beautiful, elegant plate of ratatouille. Mm -hmm. But just that one bite brought him right back to being a little boy and just being completely happy with whatever his mom made him. And why did
2: you decide that that needed to be on your body forever? Like what 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 made you want to like look at that every day, I guess?
3: It just reminds me of like my motivation and my goals. Mm -hmm. Like you want to achieve this every time. So make sure whatever is coming and being produced out of your hands is going to achieve that moment.
2: I love that. And I want to go back a little bit to kind of your your beginnings because you are a Jersey Shore chef. You grew up in the industry, kind of cut your teeth in your family's place, Alan's Clam Bar, which they still own.
3: Who taught you to cook? My dad is a chef. Mm -hmm. He went to culinary school, so I learned a lot from him. But also I grew up like hand in hand with my grandmother. My family's restaurant is literally right next door to my house. <laughs> and then on the other side of that is my grandmother. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, I grew up just like, what are you doing? Let's hang out. Like, let me get my stool. I want to see what you're doing. Like, this looks fun. We used to make clam pies together. It was like our thing. We wear black pants because it always showed all the flour everywhere. (laughs) And then we would wear our aprons and we'd made clam pies together. And it was like the most fun. And she would tell me stories and teach me things and why we do things. And I just loved spending all of that time. And, you know, I'm also Italian. So like the kitchen is the center of all entertainment. So it's just like. If I wasn't going to be a chef, what the heck else was I going to (laughs) do? This is my life. Do you remember like the first dish that you really like mastered and and felt like this is I can do this. This is my dish. This is going to sound really funny, but I'm really proud. I was my mom and dad divorced when I was younger. So like, I I guess I was younger than five and I made my first scrambled egg by myself. Like my my dad was watching me. But like I made my first scrambled egg and it was so delicious. And that was like the start of my whole egg obsession. (laughs) And I remember like being able to drag the chair over to the stove and like my dad was coaching me what to do. And it was just so amazing. And that's like my perfect dish. Some scrambled eggs,
2: (laughs) some scrambled eggs. Uh, No, I mean, I think it's I think it's like, you know, it's one of those things that everybody it's it can be hard to master and, and do really well, but it's it's definitely a skill that everybody should have. Right. Absolutely. And apparently you, got, you you developed that skill at a very much younger <laughs> age than most people. You know, there's I think there's learning to cook. There's also understanding, you know, the business side of the industry. How much exposure did you get to both growing up, especially with your family having the, that restaurant so close to
3: you? Oh, man. I mean, I remember when i was little like before i could actually work i was like hostessing with my grandmother like standing with her and she'd be like okay take them to table 4 take them to table 15 and like doing all that stuff and then you know the end of the night my mom was a waitress so like she'd have me organizing all of her money so like even at a very small age i was always in the front while being obsessed with the back mm-hmm. and then you know obviously became a cook and then moved up the ladders in the family restaurant business. And then you get more exposure to business and the front of stuff. And, but I, I just, I just, I, I don't want my hands on the money. I want my hands on the food.
2: <laughs> you want to be in the back. I want to be in all the, the back. Actions happening. Um, yeah. I mean, was, was there, did you ever consider anything else? Or, or was this always like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I was made
3: to do. <laughs> I used to think back in the day that I was gonna be a basketball player. <laughs> which is so funny because basketball wasn't even my number one sport oh, that really? I played. What was your number one sport? <laughs> Soccer. Okay. Soccer and baseball were my two sports. And I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the WNBA. Yeah. And then I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm going to be a chef." <laughs> that was fun for about two seconds.
2: <laughs> well, it seems like it was a, a pretty good backup plan, you know. What about your personality and perspective? Do you think has made you a successful chef?
3: I think just like always being true to myself. It's it's actually hard to sometimes get lost in the culinary field because you want to do so much, and I think. Me always focusing on what I want to do and what I want to cook. And honestly, at the end of the day, what I want to eat. It's not really about anyone else because if like I'm always cooking for someone else, I'm never going to put my best foot forward. So I always want to cook for myself because I mean, nobody's palate is better than my own for my own food. (laughs) So it's like, all right, let me cook what I want to cook and be me. And that's what I'll always do when it comes to my food
2: how would you describe your cooking style? Like, is there a certain, you know, cuisine or, you know, type of ingredient that you gravitate towards? Or is it like you said, just whatever you feel like, you know, eating on that particular day?
3: Yeah, it's kind of like whatever I feel like eating on that particular day. I mean, I definitely have my pantry staples. I don't think I've ever not had anchovies in my cabinet ever. (laughs) Canned tomatoes, pasta, like, you know, I, I gravitate towards Italian cuisine, but... That being said, like Jersey cuisine as well, because if you actually draw a line from New Jersey to Italy, they're on the same wavelength. Really? Yeah. So that's like the climates and everything is so similar. The terroir is a lot different. But like I get to eat Italian food from New Jersey all the time. (laughs) And it's like... The best. So that's definitely my cooking style. I'm classically trained in French cuisine as well. Mm -hmm. But there there's no limitations to what I like to cook because I love to teach myself something new every day.
2: For, For anybody listening that doesn't know, like how would you describe what is like New Jersey style food? Like what does that encompass?
3: Just like really fresh. I mean, it's the garden state. So, you know, the The philosophy from where I'm from, which is in South Jersey, which is basically like the woods meet the beach. Okay. It's a bunch of farmland. So like we literally just grow all of our crops. Like I have a huge garden in the summer and I don't go to the grocery store in the summer. Like I live live out of my garden.
2: (laughs) What is your favorite
3: thing? Like what are some of your favorite things to plant in your garden? Jersey tomatoes, of course. (laughs) Of course. I will fight anyone. Jersey tomatoes are the best tomatoes you'll ever eat in your entire life. (laughs) Period. End of story. End of story. (laughs) There's nothing else to
2: say. (laughs) I always have to ask people from Jersey when we have them on. Do you say
3: Taylor Ham or do you say Pork Roll? I would love for you to go to the store. Do me a (laughs) favor. Go to the store. Pick up a a thing of Taylor Pork Roll. It's the same. (laughs) And tell me where on that label you find the word Ham. Ham. OK, so so that that's the answer to your question. I, I, I have a feeling <laughs> that's the answer to my question. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. Britt reveals
2: how she prepared for the insane head to head matchups on this season of Tournament of Champions and what it was like going up against the reigning champ. That's coming up Next. Well, let's get into TOC because as I mentioned at the top, we are so excited to talk to you about it and also see what happens in the finale. You you get to the competition, which I think is just an incredible feat as it is to be selected and, and put up against, you know, the, the the talent that is in that bracket. And not only that, they put you up against the reigning champ, Tiffany Faison. Um, what was going through your mind when when they revealed that first matchup for you? I'm going home. <laughs>
3: I made you thought it. That? I literally like looked up at the bracket and I was like, I looked around and I was like, all right, Brit, like soak this up. You did good. You made it. You hit your goal of making it onto TOC. Your name's up there. Take a second, look around, take a deep breath because you're going home. <laughs> and it but was you- like, all right, like I'm proud of myself. Like yeah. I made it there. I, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would ever be on that stage. So like the fact that I was there, I was like so emotional. Like I was fighting tears nonstop. And you didn't go home, though, is the thing. (laughs) I somehow did not go home.
2: (laughs) What was? I mean, what was your reaction? What was going through your mind? You know, I asked you what was going through your mind when you you found out who you were facing. But what was going through your mind when you when they said you were moving on? When guys Um, said you were moving on,
1: I
3: honestly couldn't think. I was like, wait. (laughs) Wait, what? What? Wait, what? What? And then the next thing I know, like Tiffany's hugging me and I'm crying and guy is like looking at me with an open mouth. And I'm just like, (laughs) what just happened? What is going on? This is a joke. Pinch me. Somebody slap me anything because let me know this is real because it can't be.
2: What do you think, you know, was your edge or the reason that you were
3: able to come out victorious in that first round? I just stuck to the plan. Like, you know, I have this strategy where whatever is thrown at me and whatever I think of first, that's what I'm making. Mm. And, you know, if you change or you pivot halfway through or a quarter of the way through, you've already lost so much time. So whatever you're cooking, just just do it. Whatever your Mm. idea is, don't second guess yourself. Stick to your gut and just make it yummy and make it sexy. Like that's all I think about. (laughs)
2: I like it. I've read that quote from you before, too. Just sexy food. That's all. That's all you are are trying to do. Right. Sexy food, man. Everyone (laughs) wants to eat some sexy food. Yeah. Why not? You know, the, the interesting thing that we've talked about a lot as it relates to TOC is, you know, it is a blind tasting. But on top of that, you you don't find out who's judging until you're all done. What kind of challenges does that present or does it kind
3: of take some stuff out of the equation for you? For me, it takes everything out of the equation for Mm -hmm. me. It really makes me, you know, cook for myself, like cook for my own palate instead of, you know, if you know who the judges are, you're going to try to lean towards them to try to sway them. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you just get lost and flavors get muddled. Like, don't worry about who your judges are. Don't worry about who you're competing against. Don't worry about the cameras. Don't worry about guy. You're in the kitchen. Just make food that you want to make.
2: And Alex Guarnaschelli was one of those first judges, you know, fellow, obviously, Italian chef. And you were obviously very thrilled with her reaction to your food. How does it feel to have that recognition from some of these iconic chefs that you admire?
3: It's it's surreal. It really is absolutely surreal. I have looked up to Alex since I was a little kid. I've watched every single show she's ever been on. I've watched her almond commercials over and over and over again. (laughs) Like I have her cookbooks I've eaten at butter. Like I, I love Alex and the fact like I'm even getting emotional just talking about it. Like the fact that she had so many wonderful things to say and like needed a hug after eating my dish. Like that's my goals. Like that's what I look forward to.
2: Mm. You know, I, Obviously, you're getting a little emotional, just you know, thinking about it. And we've, we saw that emotion come out several times, you know, throughout the course of this competition. And, you know, it's very clear that this means a lot to you. You know, what does it what does it I mean, if you can put it into words, what does it mean to you to be on this stage, you know, and not only on the stage, but
3: excelling on this stage? it's kind of silly to say this, but it's like validation that I really made the right choice in life. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you only get, (laughs) my grandfather used to say, you only live once. This ain't no dress rehearsal. (laughs) So like whatever you do, make sure you do it because that's what you want to do in life. And you want to be successful and happy. And like, this is validation that like, I am doing the right thing. This is my path. I chose the right things and I am YOLOing really hard. (laughs)
2: Ah, you're making me cry now. You've been such a delight to watch. And I feel like people are just rooting for you. You are a person people want to cheer for. They want you to succeed. What has the feedback
3: been like so far? It has been tremendous. I mean, my uh, in February, I went to Hawaii and it was the second week in February. And I had three hundred or three thousand 980 followers and i was so excited that i was about to hit 4, I'm like i just need 20 more like this is so cool <laughs> and now i'm like about to hit 10k and i'm like what <laughs> what and everyone has so much nice things to say mm. like i really like it, it's just so humbling and so nurturing to my soul that it's like wow People take their time out of their day to watch me on TV and then shoot me a message on Instagram. And like, I try so hard to make sure that I touch every single person, mm-hmm. whether I'm liking it or responding. Sometimes it's I just don't have all the time to be able to respond to every single person. But I really try hard to because it's so important to me. And I'm so thankful.
2: Is there a particular message uh, or DM or comment that like stands out to you that, that really, you know, kind of? took you back, you know, made you step back and kind of
3: realize, you know, this is something really special. I actually had a culinary student reach out to me and was just like, chef, I've been very confused over, you know, all of the the choices that I'm making in life. I wasn't sure if the culinary career was the career for me. I watched you on TOC and I am completely inspired And it's made me put my nose back down to the grind and really fall in love with food again. And I can't thank you enough. Mm. And it was just like, I read it and I just started crying. And it's like, all I want to do is inspire the younger chefs because this is a hard career and this is a hard job, but like, it's so rewarding. And like, if you have the slightest passion, I want to fuel it for you. I want mm-hmm. to help you because you can succeed and do wonderful things in this career.
2: And you are you are proving that you are showing that on this season of Tournament of Champions. Looking back at all the battles and and everything that kind of unfolded during this competition, what stands out to you the most? Like what was the hardest thing you had to do or
3: moment that that came across during this show? Honestly, the hardest moment was looking at the randomizer. (laughs) It's so daunting. Yeah. I just kept looking at it. I'm like, this thing is going to kick my butt.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like, how do you mentally approach the randomizer? I mean, you can't really, I guess, because you don't know what it's going to be, right? Um,
3: Yeah, you have have no idea what the options are going to be, what it could mix up, what it could do. But I had a very strict study session schedule every single day. Like every day I had a schedule. Three three hours in the morning I would study. And what were you studying? All different cuisines, all different ingredients, all different, you know, scenarios that I could have come up with, you know, different recipes for cuisines that like, Mm -hmm. you know, people don't eat all the time. So I had different fresh ideas. And I just five hours a day, every single day. I was very strict. It didn't matter what time I was going to bed. I had two hours before I went to bed and I was usually up at like four thirty in the morning to study in the morning.
2: And then would you also like kind of do, you know, simulated cooks were timed or anything like that? Did you prep in that way or was it more just like immersing yourself in
3: information? For me, it was immersing myself with information because I have like, I schedule my, myself out for competitions. So it's like, all right, I have five minutes to shop. I need four minutes to plate. I need a minute to run and grab my plates and the rest is just cooking. Mm-hmm. So like I have my goals that I set while it's cooking. So I don't worry about the time that much. Cause I know where I need to be, mm-hmm. but like some equipment, I definitely did my research and started like playing with, and I watched a ton of cooking competitions to see like different ingredients and made lists. I had, I mean, I had index cards for days. <laughs> oh my you gosh. I love wouldn't that. wouldn't believe it.
2: Did you, I mean, did you watch a lot of TOC and like take notes on, you know, just past battles and judges comments and randomizer ingredients
3: and all that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I wrote down notes. I wrote down like how many, I was writing down like the silliest things, like how many bites they take Of food, (laughs) Like how much flavor do I have to punch into two bites of food? Your plate can be all beautiful and sexy and everything like that. But you have to remember that at the end of the day, they're going to have two bites of your food Mm. because that's all they need. So it was like I was writing that down. I was like, all right, two bites, three bites, two bites, one bite. I would watch TOC and then pause and write down all the spices that I could and where they were <laughs> and where it was organized. Oh, my
0: gosh.
3: Yeah, I like really. No, you were was, prepared. Yeah, I was so happy to be there. I didn't want to disappoint anyone.
2: <laughs> I love that. I mean, when you get there, especially for that first challenge, obviously you haven't cooked in that, that kitchen before. Do you have time to kind of like look through the pantry and see
3: what's what, or did you really rely on that, that research that you did? I really relied on my research. Wow. I really, really did. I mean, you can see it from afar, like the pantry and stuff like that. And like, you can look at it and, but it's just so hard because you're so over-censored by mm-hmm. like your sensory is overload. Wow.
2: As I mentioned, the, the finale is Sunday. So we are two days away from finding out, who is the season four champion without giving any spoilers spoilers. What can we, what can we look forward to in, in the finale? Wow.
3: (laughs) Wow. Really? Wow. This (laughs) is like I said, I'm a huge like food network fan. I'm a nerd. I watch all the competition shows and this is going to be the best one yet.
2: Ah, I'm so excited. I mean, what have you what do you think you've learned about yourself throughout the course of this competition? Would you change anything?
3: I would never change anything. Nothing. I'm so proud of every single thing I did. It was absolutely amazing. But I really learned the amount of grit that I have. Like I was so proud. You're you're around 32 chefs, 32 chefs, not only that are so amazing, but that I've looked up to my whole life. Mm-hmm. That is a very easy distraction. Very easy. Very easy. And we are all staying in the same place. We're all hanging out all the time. And it's like, I didn't care. I needed to go study. I needed to focus. I did my Zen work, like whatever I had to do to mentally. And it was like, dude, I got grit, man. I can do this.
2: Yeah. And we see that. We see that on every single episode that that you are on. How... You talk about, you know, the the friendships and the the other chefs that you look up to. How many of them did you actually like know personally before going on this show? And then how many new friends did you gain from being on it?
3: I knew casually Joe Sasto. And that's it? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like. Yeah, Joe Sasso is it. <laughs> um, and now? <laughs> and now I have 32 awesome friends <laughs> that I could call or text at any time. I'm actually in Seattle right now hanging out with Shoda.
2: I was just going to say, I've seen I saw you were hanging out with Shoda, who we also had on the the podcast a few weeks ago. You, I've, I feel like every you've been making a point to like go visit different cities and and hang out with some of these chefs that you were on the show with. What
3: has that been like, I guess? It's been so fun and very exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) I get to hang out with some really amazing people and make some really dope food. Like, we're making the craziest and most amazing food. But it's really just about like common chef friends that understand like what you're going through through all of this and having that common ground and really truly building friendships and relationships and business relationships with. And it's so so amazing that I get to hang out with these people and like go to dinner and like, Hey, come over to my house. Like, let's have a beer. Let's have a glass of wine.
2: Yeah. Like not like, let's go into the most intense arena of all time and, and, and compete against each other. You actually get to hang out and have fun. <laughs>
3: yeah. And they actually like care, like, like it's friends. It's a real friend. And it, it's even more so like a deeper connection because they truly understand your work. Mm-hmm. So there's no pressure. There's no expectations. It's like, hey, you text me a week later. Cool. Like, I understand you're busy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 really cool.
2: No, it's been really cool to watch for sure. And, you know, I guess to put it in sports terms, you were definitely the Cinderella story of this tournament. And I'm just curious if, you know, af- after talking to you, you know, for the last 30 minutes or so, like it seems like you kind of thrive on that role, like that role of being the underdog. Is that, is that accurate? Oh, I love (laughs) being the underdog.
3: Like I'm not like a big spotlight person. I'm kind of shy. Really? Uh, Yeah. I really try to bust out of my skin when I'm on TV, but like, it's so hard, (laughs) but like I, I'm shy. Like, I just want to come in and like do me and like be a little entertaining. And like, next thing you know, I'm like pulling out the sniper and I'm like, bam. Gotcha.
2: <laughs> Angry Italian strikes again.
3: Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you also kind of seem to feed off of, of some of that doubt. Can you talk about your affection for the term eat crow and and how it's shaped some of the ventures you have coming up?
3: Yeah. So uh, there's always going to be the people that are haters they hate us because they ain't us. Mm-hmm. We get it. <laughs> and honestly, those are the ones that drive me the, the hardest because they motivate me to be better, to want mm-hmm. to be the best that I absolutely can be personally, professionally. And so I had so many doubts of people that were going to that were saying like, oh, you're never going to do anything. And December, I left my job and I was like, you know what? I'm going to open up a pop up. I want it to be called Crow." because everyone can honestly eat crow. You don't believe in me. You don't have to. I don't need you in my life. All I need is support and positiveness. And you know what? Eat crow. And if you don't want to eat crow, why don't you come in
2: and eat at crow? (laughs) And actually eat. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what's, what, what? Tell me more about the pop-ups. Like what kind of food are you going to be serving?
3: Where is this going to be happening? Where can we be on the lookout for it? I'm doing some pop-ups here in Seattle. And basically wherever I travel, I'm going to try to do a couple of pop ups. Okay, I I never know where I'm going to (laughs) be from week (laughs) to week. So it's like (laughs) this is always an adventure. But I always want to try someone like try to get with someone that I can partner with Mm -hmm. and do a fun dinner. And my philosophy is local, sustainable food. So wherever I'm at, I want to use whatever is local to them.
2: That's so cool. And like, what's the feedback
3: been so far and the ones that you've done? Oh, it's been fantastic. It's really, really fantastic. I just did a dinner in New Jersey for David's Dream and Believe, which is a cancer foundation. And we sold out. There were seven, we actually oversold. There were 71 seats. Mm. And we were able to donate a bunch of money to them. And it was, it was just a magical night. And people had so much fun. And that's what it's about. Like so many people, so many people missed my food. There was like 80% of my customers from the restaurant that I had just left
0: at wow. that pop up
3: because they were just like I miss I miss your cooking. I miss you, you being out here and talking with us and they felt like they were right back at home. And that's exactly what my one customer said. He was like it feels like we're back home. And I was mm-hmm. like oh, dude, that's my goal. <laughs>
2: That's the goal. Well, I hope I I hope I have a chance to to eat some of your crow.
3: Yeah, <laughs> at, come on to
2: At some point, but more importantly, so looking forward to watching you continue your journey on TOC in the finale. And it's been so much fun talking to you about it. So we're excited to watch it. We are going to finish things off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question that we ask everybody here on Food Network Obsessed. So my first rapid fire question, I feel like I already know the answer based on our earlier conversation. But eggs were a key ingredient in your first challenge. So I'm wondering what is the perfect egg preparation
3: in your mind? Oh, so I want to say scrambled. OK. Because that's my everyday eater. But real life, it's a six minute soft boiled egg. OK. Yes, I love. I
2: mean, I love both. You're right. Like the, the scramble is the easy thing that you can just whip up in the mornings. But the the soft boil is, is so Luscious and sexy. It's sexy. To, to, to take a a page from your book. You have a hashtag we'll travel for food and booze. And you've, as we mentioned, been doing a lot of that lately. Where is it taking you next?
3: So I was just in Chicago, currently in Seattle. I have to go home at some point to New Jersey. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. And then where am I going after that? I think I might go back to Seattle for a little bit. Nice. Um, and at some point I have to go visit Manit. She, uh, she keeps asking me to come down to uh, Nashville, Nashville and do a pop-up with her. Oh, so, my gosh. Uh, you absolutely should. That will 100% be in the works very soon. I love Manit so much. I uh, do, too. She's uh, such a sweetheart.
2: Again, she was somebody I remember when, you know, her season that she won. I feel like everybody, like I was rooting for her and, and, and you know, similar vibes with you. So question you wish you were asked more often.
3: Question I wish I was asked more often. What's my favorite color? What is your favorite color? It's purple and orange. Purple and orange. Yeah, I can't pick between the two, (laughs) but I only wear like black and like gray and everything. So everyone thinks that like that's my favorite color. I'm like, no, you should just ask me what my favorite color is because it's purple and orange.
2: I know. And those are complementary colors as well, I I believe, like on the color wheel, right? If I ever remember my art from, you know, middle school.
3: (laughs) All right. Favorite cocktail. (laughs) Favorite cocktail. It depends on my mood. If I'm in a bourbon mood, it's an old fashioned. Hmm. If I'm in a like a Mezcal mood, um, then I really love a Mezcal Negroni. Okay. Yes, love. Um, and gin, same thing, but I really love a nice gin and tonic.
2: Okay. I love all those things. Kitchen tool you can't live without? A
3: wooden spoon. Okay. I don't know if we've heard that one yet. So I like that. Um, I can't cook my sauce without a wooden spoon. That's true. It doesn't taste good.
2: <laughs> you got to get all the the bits, you know, from the bottom of the I think bottom, there's the something fawn. in the wood. Like, <laughs> I, think I don't like, know if it's like. Retain, like kind of like a cast iron. Like it's it retains. Like building
3: grime and like
2: <laughs> nastiness. And I'm like, yeah. Get that in there, baby. So you don't want a new wooden spoon. You want the old one that you've had forever, right? Yeah, the
3: one that you're like kind of questionable about. Don't there's worry, like I'll burn,
2: take it. there's like burn marks on like the, the handle oh, and yeah, all the chipped. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. All right. What is always in your fridge?
3: Oh, LaCroix sparkling water.
2: All uh, right, same. <laughs> Pample mousse all day. Pample mousse is definitely the the number one for sure. Or your What's okay? I was going to ask, what's your number two? Because I feel like Pamplemousse is kind of like the, you know, consensus favorite. But everybody has a different number, too. So apricot, I have not tried. So I will have to get on that. I feel like they don't sell that one as as often
3: in as many places.
2: Okay, I'll have to get on that (laughs) Um, advice you would give to your
3: younger self. Just keep working your butt off. (laughs) That's all I say. Like, put your nose down, do it while you're young. Because one day you're going to want to enjoy life.
2: Yep. No, that's excellent advice for sure. All right. This last question is not rapid fire. This is just whatever you whatever you whatever comes to your mind. We want to know what's on the menu for your perfect food day. So we want you to take us through the day. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. There are no rules. You can travel, time travel, spend as much money as you want. Anybody can prepare these meals. You can prepare them. No calories counting in this. Yeah, it's it's your day. You can you can do whatever you want with it. We just want to hear about snacks it. Snacks count, right? Yes. Sna- yes. You can throw in some snacks too. Like lunch can be like three courses in different places. There's, <laughs> there's no rules. No rules.
3: No <laughs> holds barred. So I would like to start off my day. I have a new obsession with lavender oat milk lattes. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So I would love to start my day off with that and a nice queen amon. A what? A queen amon. What is that? It's like a, it's a croissant pastry. Oh, yes. And then they, like, before they roll it up and shape it, it's kind of like pinched together. They put salt and sugar. Ooh. So it makes like this sweet and savory, like crispy layer. Yum. Oh, gosh. It's the (laughs) best pastry. I need to seek this out immediately. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. You take one bite and you're like, oh. Gosh, that was so good. And then I would like to have a late lunch with mm-hmm. Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yes. Eating Mapo tofu. Oh, yes. Sweating, nose <laughs> dripping, couple of beers, maybe a joint. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would like to have dinner with both of my grandparents, hmm. both my grandmothers. Okay. I want my grandmother to make her meatballs, sauce, and sausage, like that was like one of my favorite things. And then I want my gr- my other grandmother, I want her to make shrimp and macaroni salad, mm. taco salad, <laughs> her ribs. And then I would love to have my Italian grandmother make her dadals for me because like I can make the dadals. I have her recipe. What is They're that? It's not as good. It's an Italian cookie. Okay. Kind of like a tea cookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a very light glaze on it with non prells on it so good, but nobody can quite make them the way she did. There was just something so good. And then I would like to have my other grandmother's meringue pie. She always made me a key lime meringue pie. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I would need like something savory after dessert, right? <laughs> of course. So my grandmother, every Christmas Eve, we have pasta ayoya. And she makes it with a ton of anchovies and garlic and a ton of Parmesan, Pecorino cheese. And it's probably like the most simple and delicious, decadent bowl of pasta. And I would like (laughs) to finish my entire night with that.
2: I love it. I love that you are finishing your day with pasta. I feel like that's very on
3: brand. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't uh, want to? Who doesn't want to end their day with a nice, sexy bowl I mean, of pasta? Yeah.
2: Now I, I must do that immediately as well. All your, your whole, your whole food day has given me lots of inspiration. So thank you for that. For sure. Uh, and thank you so much for taking the time. Again, we have loved watching you, and cannot wait to see what
3: happens next in the Toc finale. It's going to be exciting. And thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.
2: You can see how Brit does on the finale of Tournament of Champions this Sunday, April 9th at 8, 7 Central on Food Network and Discovery Plus. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday.